go out and go and be in the day be part of nature go out and like breathe the air okay don't sit in your home don't look at social media too much all the stupid you know cliche stuff that we should remind people about no i'm gonna share that quote (laughs) all right we go uh keith um and rachel yeah um you know the Federal Reserve and the United States government is actively devaluing our money. They're printing trillions of dollars. Sixty percent of the money that's in circulation right now has been printed in the last year and a half. So if you don't have assets, you're a fucking idiot. And buy Bitcoin because I need that shit to go up. So buy Bitcoin or buy some fucking assets. If you're just keeping cash, you're an idiot. And follow me at Real Keith Dirty oh. on all social media. <laughs> oh, buy Bitcoin. That was okay. Buy Bitcoin. Yeah. All right. Well. I know where we're going there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say that this conversation really inspired me to start it. It, it sparked my activism heart. I think I want to start a campaign to give hand jobs to incels so that there's less mass shootings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a need. Yeah, exactly. And they're like willing volunteers. There's the. Definitely a service. Consenting willing volunteers to give hand jobs to incels. And, and like that's how I can change the world. And like while they're about to come, like throw in some like civil rights stuff, you know, like yes. uh, you or know. words of encouragement. Yeah. <laughs> so like try, turn them from incels Thank to liberals. Thank you for the beautiful music. So we're off the air? Oh, oh, yeah, we will be. Um, wait, what's your six spring break? What, what, what else is there? Here. Nothing. So this is why... Uh, no, this is... Else. All right. Um, so that's... Breaker, but signing off from Mutiny Radio.
Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T podcast. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. I got it. With Mike Spiegelman and Carl and Paul Brumbaugh. Hi, Paul Brumbaugh, our special guest on the show. Hey, guys. Wow, it's a blast from the past. Paul used to be our our follow-up, and it's great to have you here, Paul. Yes. Uh, if you're listening, you can, there's two ways you can listen. We are streaming first out there, and you can always donate to the station at Venmo with at radio. And check out their website. A lot of great shows on it. And we also have our website with the acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We would love for you to subscribe. <laughs> uh, Carl, what movie are we watching today? Oh, we have a gem today. We are watching Working Trash 1990. Working Trash 1990. Now, the S is a dollar sign. Whoa. There's no S in working. <laughs> oh, it's trash. You're always oh, it's... working on my spelling. Yes, and the channel we like is called Vintage Movies, which is a pretty blasé channel, but maybe it's worth browsing. Well, you should always subscribe to the uh, channels we, that are hosting the movies that we like to watch. So we would like for you to type in Working Trash. Don't listen to Carl. You type in the dollar sign. Your search engine is going to explode. <laughs> Just type in Working Trash 1990, and then you'll find it. It's hosted by Vintage Movies, our new best friends. We want you to hit the link, hit pause, move the timer to zero, zero, zero. We want you to wait until our celebrity comedian countdown gives you the go-ahead. Carl? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Celebrity Comedian Countdown with today's comedian, Paul Brumba. Paul Brumba. Woohoo, woohoo. I'm a celebrity. All right, guys, you know the you know the drill. Why? Because I invented it. Here we go. I'm gonna do this in three, two, none, and go. All right, I hit it on go. I went with audio, so there you go. No, that's all right. Uh, enjoy the music. It's terrible music, and it's obviously TV. You see the the, the credits. I don't know yeah. Started in this strange. It's not a movie as much as television. Now this was Fox TV's first TV movie. Yeah, that's right. It was a super, super big deal. They invested a lot of money in it. Uh, now George Carlin doesn't have a prolific movie com career like other comedians, like a uh, Richard Pryor, or uh, the list isn't in my brain right now. But or a Buddy Epson. Sorry. Or a Buddy Epson, right? <laughs> That's right, Buddy Epson, who we all know. Um, Jed Clampett, maybe? Yeah, Jed Clampett, right, exactly. Yeah, but during the 80s, he always had that really poorly Right. Well, we saw Michael J. Pollard. He's uh, the, isn't he like a, a scary dude? Michael J. Pollard. I guess my research didn't go as deep as him. He's like a 70s dude. Like, you look at him and you go, uh-oh, trouble. <laughs> like, he played a preacher. Oh, you mean, um, like, whatever whatever part he's playing, he's a bad guy, so we already know he's going to be the bad guy? Yeah, that's right. He walks on the screen, you're like, yeah, bad guy. He that did it. Late 80s George Carlin, right? 
Looking good. Classic, classic. Yeah, it looks like a early 2000s Paul Brumbach. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you wore those shirts? Had your hair down? Still wear the shirts and the shorts. <laughs> and combo. So basically what we're getting here is they have a grumbly marriage and he bets. He bets and he gets in over his head. Okay. He could have, I could have married a podiatrist. I'm not doing too bad, you know, Ruthie. It's pretty good dialogue. Well, he sounds like side B of some of his albums, right? I guess it's like the comparison. <laughs> Look how he's losing the game right now. Damn it! I'm a comedic actor. No, he's been in a lot of good movies. He's been in the Bill and Ted movies, right? The first right. two. He was right. in Fifth Tides. Yeah, uh, and he was in that great movie with um, the woman from Cheers. Um, and Ben Midler. Was it outrageous, outrageous fortune? Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was really funny in that. But you're right. This is one of his total over-the-top characterizations. So a guy named No Neck is calling. You know, Ruthie, No Neck, <laughs> and he <laughs> owes him six thousand dollars, or he's gonna get killed. Uh, he goes. Yeah. He goes six thousand. Yeah, six thousand dollars, and he's like. But look, Ruthie, think that's got three zeros in it. That's 1990s money. Yeah. This is great. They haven't got off the porch once. Oh, he has a TV on his porch. Yeah, with the rabbit ears. Yeah. So you can get oil on them. Now, ABC. The, the wife proceeds to tell No Neck the directions to their house. <laughs> Like to go kill George Carlin, and um, the internet thinks it's important. To, and I did look it up on map on um, Google Maps. Uh, she gives the wrong directions. That's Hollywood for you. That's why those TV movies suck. They always give the wrong directions. Right, it screws you up. Well, who's the other Fox one? It was like Hard Times on Spooner Street. Do you remember that? Where Jim Carrey was like the troubled gay son. Right, and the if you're right, the the directions in that movie were totally inaccurate. Yeah, I absolutely. Found myself in Queens. Yeah, nowhere near Spooner. Now, now, Paul, you love uh, George Carlin. I do. I love him. I love him beyond the grave. Yeah, absolutely. I love him. I love his family. But yeah. As you guys know, my connection to the Carlin family is through Patrick Carlin, his older brother, which is currently 89 years old. Yeah. And George just had his, what would have been his 85th birthday, uh-huh. uh, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, I think so. He pops his up picture, He's the only one who's, at Scotty's, they have a poster of him. He's the only picture on the walls there that doesn't perform there he's like it's like to pay homage to him and no other comedian has that oh. no, the same thing at uh, new yorker pizza i'm sure there's a barnes and noble collecting dust with a picture of george carlin new album new yeah. annual album there's ben miller and then what's that guy right there carl who's that guy yeah, that's uh, Bonk Bonk. He's our Star Trek connection. His name is Michael Pollard. <laughs> that's oh, what that's I'm telling you. Pollard. Oh, that's okay. Michael so Pollard. I'm him, 
I always think of, oh, he's gonna, he's not gonna be the killer. He's gonna be the goofball dude. <laughs> right. No, dude, he's he's creeper, man. He's a scary dude. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think. Was he? No, I was gonna say, was he in that other one with uh, Bobcat? But you couldn't have him and Bobcat in the same movie. Dude. <laughs> but yeah, out. your eyes will go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking he was in Hawk the Trot somewhere, but no, I'm trying to remember what movie he was in. Like, that I saw. He might have been. He could have been a jockey easily. So Ben Stiller's meeting the love interest, okay? And that's uh, Susan, our love interest. And he's there to apply for the job of broker. And basically right. they're having the awkward, you know, banter. Now the thing is, Stiller's got no charisma. It just isn't working. You know, like as the audience, we're supposed to be like, you know, if we're, we're supposed to be like, I like her and I bet you I could – you know, she'd like a guy like me. And if you're a woman, you're supposed to be like, that's cool. He's he's neat. He's cute. He's got none of that. Well, he it's not his signature style. He's not all in black. Right. Okay, this is Homer Simpson. Dad Casanelli? Yeah. Oh, we're now listening to his voice. Oh, let's do it. Here we go. Yeah. Listen to that traffic outside. Yeah, the traffic's louder. My God, he's so young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 1989, this was shot, and 1990. Well, you can tell it's early Dan. He has at least six hairs on top of his head. <laughs> That's right. His hairs are there. Well, he was on looking like a chimp. Yeah. They modeled oh. Homer's hair after his. So basically, the joke here is, you is you're no. not quali- Yeah, you don't have any qualifications to be a broker. So he's going to get started off as a janitor and work oh. the way up. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> we can hear the dialogue. It goes something like, you know, like I could see here that you haven't even done the Ben Stiller show yet. Bingo. That's right. Your run on Saturday Night Live was so short lived. Right. Everyone knows you're a famous you know, television. I like the Ben Stiller show. It has a couple good things in it. You watch, like, the entirety of it, and you realize, like, Ben Stiller just stops showing up after a while. They just have, like, really Bob Odenkirk and David Cross on it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Bob Odenkirk. Okay, so now <clears throat> we see his lowly face. He is now a janitor with George Carlin. But he's an optimistic sort of fellow. He's going to work his way up. Now he's like, you got it? I got to make a phone call because I'm going to get killed by a mobster. So you work the buffer. And this guy's got no experience with the buffer, and that'll be our visual joke. So this is our big set piece. Yeah, and basically we're being set up to meet the bad guy of the movie in a, like, Whoopsie, whoopsie, accident, and it'll set him off on the wrong foot, you know. Thank you, director. The guy who wrote this, we're Whoopi Goldberg fans. The guy who wrote this, yeah. one of them, uh, wrote Eddie. Um, oh, the, the, the good one. Yeah, yeah, she's a manager. Now, George Carlin's like, look, you see, it's like a woman. You gotta seize control. You give it a whirl. 
What? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The movie was made in what not, what year? But they, you know, those buffing machines were still out of, you know, out of style back then, out of style then. When you have a horror, they're doing it. He's doing it in a crowded uh, hall. Oh, the comedy's in the background. You have to squint your eyes. Right up front, it's like. He's calling a guy at the track. He needs six thousand dollars. He'll hang up on him. Hello, hello. You know. Yeah. Here comes the bad guy. Oh, look how bad. Cobra Kai, all the way. Oh yeah, he's so Cobra Kai. He's been walking down this hallway menacing. You think you can bring Cobra Kai back to the valley? Whoa! Hey! I read the script. You're be- get off me, moron! You knocked my script off. I really liked your part in the script when you called me a jerk. Get, give me my papers, bozo. That's my script. So, uh, yeah, hang on, hang on. Gotta sort through my papers. Goes ah, that was a senior vice president. At least you're meeting all the right people. Bing, bing. I love how George Carlin just, uh, just saunders in with his hands in his pockets. Like, he's already got the look down. Yeah. He's a saunterer. Saunterer. Okay, what kid, I want to show you my off button. You have an off button, Mr. Carlin? <laughs> okay, this is George Wallace, our comedian. Look how tall he is. Look how tall. And young. I, I would look at him right now. I think he's on, thin. I he was on last week, Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Have you met him before? No, I uh, I did an uh, improv show where he was the next week's act, so I saw, like, uh, some clips on the wall. <laughs> I met him at Comedy Day, whatever, four years ago. Oh, cool. Okay, now this is... Uh, Austin Powers. Yeah, henchwoman. Oh, Mindy Sterling, right? Yeah, Mindy Sterling. She was born in Patterson, New Jersey. Big shout out. Yeah, I can't even. I did. I think I only have like a two-word impression of her. Right. Or, or <laughs> can you do that again, Paul, and say Scott? Call Scott. Yeah, call Scott. No, that sounds more like Odenkirk or something. Anyway, but no, yeah. Lucky was, um, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off because I know you're a fan of that. So Raven, he was the volleyball <laughs> court, coach. Yeah. Coach. Oh, I must have missed that season when when Raven was playing volleyball. That's like completely clueless. Is that canon? Oh, that's so Michael. Okay, so. Like a Dan- yeah. He, okay, he's in hot. He's in debt for six thousand dollars. So he's like, "Can you help me out?" Like, basically, like, it, it, he's got like two hundred eighty dollars now. So he goes, "It's Scott." He just knows he's gonna die. <laughs> this is set up that something shady is going on at the firm and involves bad guys. Gotcha. And also, the director's making us hate him because he's telling Homer Simpson, "Get out of here, you 
You, you know, I can't think with you around. I took a glance at the director's uh, filmography, and uh, I was proud to say he directed uh, uh, the last Police Academy. Mission to Moscow, 1994. One of the worst ones, but yeah. I was going to bring that up because you love that series. I love those movies. That's the one I don't really like, but uh, I have to give him credit for it, you know. Well, he didn't write it. He just directed it, but... He, he yeah. directed Back to School with Dangerfield. Wow, well, that's a classic. And my favorite credit of his is The Winds of Wookiee, which is that Steve Martin special. <laughs> with Whoopi Goldberg? No, it was, there was The Winds of War. It was a miniseries. Right. And so he did The Winds of Wookiee. You know, it was TV. It was TV back then. So it was Whoopi with the I E. No, that was a point of view. It Steve was Okay. Yeah. But you would like to make it Whoopi. It's just because of the word Whoopi. Yeah. They couldn't they couldn't use the word sex. The winds of sex. Okay. Now here's Jed Clampett, and he is the top, top, topity top of the firm, and he's family with our bad guy. And basically, there's a guy on the phone all excited for the, his firm's working with this firm, and he's sleeping. The old patriarchal figure. Yes. And that's the joke. Um, I'll play a little audio because he has the first funny line of the phone. I'll bet you know why start, Carl. What's that? Why start? Why start being funny? Yeah. Okay, so there's this evil shredder, okay? And the shredder, like, is possessed by the devil or something in the other room. And so she's having a lot of hard, a lot of trouble with it. Um, and, and it's a paper shredder, not a, right. not the shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right? Exactly. Oh, thank you for that up. Yeah, I appreciate that. I was like, why would shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles be there without, you know, Bebop, Rocksteady? <laughs> Rock steady. Okay, so paper. yeah, it's it's it was it's nineteen eighty nine. He has no computer on his desk. Computer on his desk? No, uh, he has phone. He's a CB radio. <laughs> right. Steam powered CB. Runs on steam. Right. Yeah. He's got a pterodactyl. Flies cracking pterodactyl. Okay. Here it is. He's got this thing for the shredder that's hot. Looking forward to this. He made this before Mission to Moscow. Oh, he did? Yeah, I mean, 89 and Mission to Moscow is 94. Did you catch his line? Good, good, something, something. Oh. Oh well. Oh well. We tried. <laughs> we tried, Carl. Well, it's the first funny thing in the movie. That that's all. Jed Clampett saves the day like he's got like a bunch of funny lines, you know. 
I mean, that isn't to say George Carlin isn't funny, but it's like we know what we're seeing. And I don't know. It was the first time you were surprised. He goes, oh, that thing almost bit my hand off. And he goes, good, good. <laughs> we paid enough money for it. Uh, that's that's right. That's right. Feed Buddy Epson the funny lines. <laughs> that guy can tell a joke. Yeah. Jesus, look at Ben Stiller. Button your, your jacket. You button it. So this is the scene in which those two like each other, you know. He, yeah. you know, the lowest janitor and the highest, you know, chairman of the board or whatever he is, become good friends. Hey, you want a stogie? Here, I'll just steal some from my corporate box. <laughs> the uh, stiller didn't just throw out his cigar; he ashed it out and saved the the remainder of the cigar. And he's like, "You just saved me thirty five bucks, there, son." Wow, that's like how many bits? Bits <laughs> two quarters, and there's like 35 times more. Yeah, that's a lot of bits. He just said just now, he goes, you know, smoking's bad for you, sir. And he goes, I'm 85 years old. Nothing bad for me, son. He's, he's the funniest comedic actor in this thing. It's amazing how they had to throw that no smoking in there. You can't go five minutes without that. They're robbing people's money, Carl. Isn't that a bigger crime than a cigar? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yeah. it is. So, this yeah. Right now, he's saying, like, what do you think of precious metals, sir? And he goes, I like softer music. Precious metals. <laughs> What's precious metals, Dido? Well, it's like commodities trading. Yeah. There's currency exchanges, there's precious metals, there's pork bellies, there's oil futures, there's soybeans. Soybeans, yes. Soybeans. Pork belly is actually a commodity. Mm -hmm. But I've seen trading places. Oh, frozen yeah, this, this where I got everything from. So they're looking through the trash, and they're like, what secret well, plant on Earth? It's like, Oh, so you're interested in uh, love interest, eh? You've got to be a garbologist. Now they're learning she likes the band U2. She bought it at Tower Records. She likes these Danishes. She went to Harvard Business School. Huh. And Sounds then like they're going to find... Well, I better wait for it. Oh, what, like a bloody... Agadaz, a used condom. Wait, hold on. No, Mike, this isn't a real movie. That would happen in a real movie, right? Right, they find, like, a bloody handkerchief or something. Right. That? And we'd hear the music. That's intriguing. Not this one. Better put that away. Because the guy has a red cap. Ooh. We want yeah, to speak to your It's Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wait. Yeah, it's well, a side job. He's our Star Trek connection. Yeah, I know. And he was in the original series. Um, the his big line was bonk 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 bonk, and Captain Kirk goes, "No more bonk bonk." Do you guys know that episode? No. Oh. No, it was a bonk bonk episode. No. Yeah, that was the bonk bonk episode. <laughs> it was called. Not to be confused with the Glass Menagerie. Gotcha. Okay. Nineteen sixty six. He was in a lot of things: Tango and Cash, Scrooge, Roxanne, Bonnie and Clyde. He's uh. You know. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde's a big one. 
Well, he played well, a preacher in a John Houston movie that I really liked. Like, he was a real stubborn contrarian. Like, it's a really cool movie. I wish I could remember the name. He's in a bunch of stuff. Now, you see how it didn't go into the shredder. Okay, you put on the audio mic. All right, with pleasure. Now we get Buddy Epson being funny. Well, I would like to take this opportunity just to say goodbye to you and to say it's really been a pleasure working with you. Oh, it's been a pleasure working with you, too. Maybe I should say, well, uh, this might be the last trash barrel I ever empty. There's a contract out on my life. <laughs> I need $6,000. Contract? Uh, you better have your lawyer check it. Jesus, Carlin, like, not single-minded. Right? Oh, Mike, you turned the audio off. I did turn it off. Yeah, enough of that. Well, Buddy said, Contract A, you better have your lawyer check it. You don't want to lose that $6,000. And then walks out. And then Stiller's like, Good try, George Carlin. But you're going to die tonight. I was just going to say, George Carlin sounds like the type of guy who's like, Hey, how's it going, George? Uh, I still have six. I owe six thousand. Yeah, I, I know. You mentioned that. Anything else? Oh, yeah, I said only $6,000. He's giving him, like, trash wisdom. Cover your food before you, you know, I don't know what to say. It's dumb. Oh, so it's good. now they're going to, I think, discover the memo. And it's like, somebody's making an offer for Gaston Oil. So that means they have insider information that, you know, it'll open at $12, but then, like, as soon as that thing's announced, a bunch of people will buy it. It will go right. Insider info. I can't say no to insider info. Except Ben Stiller wants to say no because it's totally illegal. Paul Brumba, did you ever do insider trading? Because he doesn't seem the type, Paul. Right? He's a good guy. No, he said that he seems like an honest Eagle Scout up and up for up a cover. And that's what Excuse me, FCC. I found a pile of money in the corner and uh I think is it yours? <laughs> that was very, very good of you to return the money. You have good character. You're gonna make a great adult, except you're gonna <laughs> fall behind in our system. Because it's built on right. criminality. Because, yo, this is like to the results of tomorrow's horse race. Oh, right. He's going to put it in George Carlin's face. And so George Carlin's like, of course, could I save my life, you know, with that money? And he goes, yes, you could, but you can't. It's illegal. It's insider trading. Well, when it comes to jail or death, I'll pick jail. I love how, like, you know, they do that cross shot where they have the stand in, like stand, like there's there's the Ben Stiller stand in while Carlin talks. Uh -huh. like, for Ben, for Carlin, they must have found like a million guys that look like him. Like there's no problem. <laughs> Find yeah. the stand. Yeah. Like stepfather Warren. Yeah, every guy, every older guy I know looks yeah. like Carlin. From behind, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just need like a little ponytail and uh, like the overextended hippie hair. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, okay, I can think of other guys like that. So he's talking him into it, save my life. 
and the distiller is going to agree. So they got to go to the broker, and of course they're going to pay love interest broker. Right. Distiller is wearing a black shirt in that scene. He's getting his look back. Very nice, but he's too young to have a look yet. This is. But if you look at his movies, he dresses the same. You know, it doesn't matter what movie it is. It could be a night at the museum. It could be a tower heist. He's always wearing black. Mm-hmm. Zoolander. Zoolander. Zoolander number two. Now, this director, he did Girls Just Want to Have Fun with Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, oh. But his last credit is The Growing Pains movie, 2000, for TV. Growing Pains. Growing Pains. That, I don't that put was, your nail in the coffin. Yeah. That's the Alan Thick one? Kirk Cameron? Uh, yeah. 1980. But uh, the film. Does they go to Branson, Missouri? I think we saw two Cameron films on our show. Kirk Cameron? Doesn't that make her a partner? Yeah. Yeah, she's she the broker. She doesn't know they have inside information. Right. Oh, she's yeah. just covering it because doesn't she say something like, uh, oh, you're a dollar short. He bought the lottery ticket. Oh, right. oh my Danish today. What yeah. Right. Exactly right. And it shows that, like, she has a crush on the janitor, uh, Ben Stiller. So, now so his original elevator pitch must have worked. <laughs> they yeah, right. are now celebrating the, you know, he's not going to die. And and Ben Stiller's like, those mob guys always get so, look so depressed when they have to cancel a hit. Is this a Ben Stiller movie where his parents do not show up in it? Yep. Wow, what restraint. What restraint. He doesn't want to make it too obvious. Yeah. 
so they had a promotional photo. It was a big, large, like, threaded screw, and the caption said, Tonight, two working stiffs are going to do to Wall Street what it's done to us. Oh, screw us. But right? They, they don't do that in this movie. Yeah, no other stillers in this movie, but don't worry, there's at least one Polaroid commercial during the break. <laughs> right. Is this like Trading Places in this movie? Nope. Nope. <laughs> it's not. Well, Trading Places had an adversary, right? You had the rich guys making the bet and then trying to screw it off, screw over the rich guys. Yeah, well, some of that is going on here. The bad guy is like uh, sucking out the money from their pension fund uh, into this like shell corporation that's really controlled by him. Oxide, the movie return. Next now, week. This money uh, is... Yeah. Um, wait, do your promo. Such and such returns this week. Her, Herman's head returns. Uh, I'll do Herman's head. <laughs> All right, go ahead, I, Carl. I think I remember that. Was it animated? No, it was like uh, Hank Azaria and inside his head. Oh, no, no, his buddy Hank... Uh, George yeah. Wallace is wearing a flamingo hat. Uh-huh. Now look, confidential, Shredder. Carlin's got another one. Because the Shredder is evil and the, the secretary just won't use it, you see. So he's getting all these inside information things. Wow, what a but brain. he's doing it behind the back of Ben Stiller. It's a very weird way this movie goes right now. George Carlin is the guy who's doing the trading with Susan and not Ben Stiller. He's oblivious that it's happening at all. It's weird. So, do they both go to jail, though, at least? Uh, no. No, there's no jail. No, they're the heroes. No, they're, no, no, they're they going to be the bad guy. In real life, he doesn't have knowledge of it happening. If we were actually considering movies being real life. Yeah. Listen, he can't be the good guy in this movie. He, he has to go to jail. No, like, he's, he's a good doing guy. his criminal. No, he's the good guy. He no, won't be the good guy. That he'll beat the bad guy who's mortgaged to the hilt. He's leveraged, son. Buddy Epson, as long as I never wear, have to wear overalls again. In my yeah, life. no shit. But he was in a bunch of movies. Wasn't he um, in Dreamscape? Was he the president? No, that was someone else. That was, oh, uh, no, that, was uh, Eddie Albert. that was Eddie Albert. That was Eddie Albert, yeah. I always get those white-haired guys mixed up. Yeah, for Green Acres. Yeah. Acres is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. Beep, 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 beep. You turn it off like right after the theme song. Like, okay, it's been click. Click. <laughs> Keep me. New York is where I click. Right. <laughs> I just adore a click. Darling, I love you, but get. Yeah, <laughs> make it do the theme song of uh, fucking Sweet Acres. That is hilarious. Sure you're you're Zsa Zsa Gabor sounding like the queen. 
Bro! <laughs> I hate Hill Street Blues. I can barely make it to this do 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 click. Oh, the fucking theme song. <laughs> do, 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 worst, do, do, worst, okay, so what is your all-time haunting theme song that you can't get rid of in your head? Is it that one? Probably. That would that's a high that's high up there for sure. So There's some really great ones that stick in your head, and that's what they were supposed to be, right? They were supposed oh, to be I, jingles. I actually have a theme song for this movie. Working trash. <laughs> The, the Temptations did this, uh, their theme song. Oh, in this movie, they got The Temptations? Yeah, tonight. yeah. Well, we're talking major TV. You see, back then, a TV movie wasn't... It, okay, rem, just flashback to 89. I know you guys remember. There right. was uh, Rabbit Ears, and, you know, the movie of the week was a big deal. What were you going to, you know, going out to the movies cost money. This shit was free when a good movie was on. You would spend, you know, Saturday night. Yeah, but the flip side is that they would have, like, such obscura. Like, this movie aired once. It aired once, right? Uh, yeah. And then but maybe... at a time when their viewership was, you know, tremendous. Yeah, but still, it's like, it's 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 here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, if I go, if I miss out on Close Encounters, eventually it's going to hit video in seven years, but it's going to be back, you know. It'll be on TV. Yeah, you're right about that. Like I'm sure this plays somewhere. It has to. It's a property. It's it's a film. It's got stars. It's content. It could mm. fill. It, you know, but it's streamable. Yeah. Now Ben Stiller unfortunately did not have the opportunity to look up her skirt. He was not low enough, and the skirt, you know, it didn't help that it was below, you know, the thought below the knee. So, um, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. That's yeah. what this movie's trying to tell us. Although that was a 14th take. <laughs> wow, look hey, how clean I'm New York here. is. My God, look how clean New York is. I know that. Yeah. yeah. You did? And cut, and then everything's just back. There we go. Okay, so now there'll be a dumb comedic bit, which isn't funny. He's coming in dressed all richy, richy, rich. I suppose the bow tie and the shorts. Now he'll have to conceal it to Homer Simpson. Otherwise, it'll be clear he's got some source of income. Yes. So they're like going to be like, this isn't a Rolex watch. You see, it's a B. This is a fake watch. It's a Bolex. A Bolex $7. watch. $7. It's a bee. Oh my god. Back when we still thought about watches. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, stick is over. And what and it wasn't worth it. Uh some things in this movie are pretty good, but and his comedic acting is all right too. Wasn't there an Ali Bill episode where he was the judge, Dan Castaneda, and it had to do with Bart Simpson and people dressed up as Bart Simpson in the jury? That's no, I'm the only McBeal. Am I the only Ali McBeal head here? <laughs> I guess. I remember Ali McBeal, but only because the girl I was dating, I liked it. I, I remember watching the final episode, and then when it ended, I said, that's the end of that. I don't know. It can't no more. 
Now, there's this weird section in this movie. It doesn't make any sense. Suddenly, the secretary is extremely sexually attracted to Ben Stiller. Uh, and Ben Stiller is either resisting or being oblivious, but he does like it. So he's going to fix the shredder. Oh, no. That's Yeah, that's going to ruin George Carlin's little streak. Right, because it'll be all shredded. This now, is not good yeah. Now, what's weird is we'll never, ever have anything between Ben Stiller and the secretary again. This is like a bit or something. Well, it's more about the shredder, right? He thinks, what are you, crazy? Yeah, right. Exactly. And he's going to start hitting it. Break, damn it. Oh, man. Don't get me started about the fax machine. <laughs> Just the fax, man. That's the worst fax machine when you put it in a shredder. Yeah. Oh, fucked it up again. <laughs> I can't do anything right. It's one Hello, of the Mr. Facts. Spiegelman. I received your fax, but it's all smooshed up and scrambled. It's all in little spaghetti forms. It's yeah. Did you mean for us to say for <laughs> spaghetti forms, Mr. Spiegelman? Okay. Damn it, I set my fax to shred. God damn it. <laughs> Now there's not a shred of evidence of, of fact of factual evidence. There's not a shred of facts, actual evidence. Okay, never mind. So okay. these guys are really ben, screwed. Ben Stiller's learning that George has been trading in in the, with Susan. So now he's like furious. You see how that happens in movies all the time. The elevator. You go yeah. through the elevator and it closes. You know elevators don't work like that. Everybody knows that. It would have been funny what? if he put his hand in to try to like open the door and it took off his arm. That would, have been that would be funny. Yeah, that's that like my spear. Every time you put your wave your hand in front of an elevator, there's a part of you that go, "You are a fucking idiot," because they could close <laughs> on you right now. You know, like yeah, and then you're gonna go. That's gonna be like a Three Stooges film where your arm goes up and you go up, and yeah, yeah. I like it works fine in real life. I mean, in TV. Now this scene is like showing Ben Stiller how many people have profited from this. You know, like it sounds like you know all this insider trading. It means it's pumping money into the lives of people who need it. The George Wallace's kid has braces. Right. They are, you know, funding the church. God bless you, sir. You know. And yeah, what is, there's a nun in the basement? Yeah. Weird basement. That's where uh, I keep mine. M Mindy Sterling invited her over. Her character is really Catholic. Really Catholic. Yeah, they go, how many women do you have in your basement? And I go, none. <laughs> right. And it's not like they can't arrest you. You were being honest. Uh, totally. The only sex the preacher could have was none. Yeah, the only the only meat that the priest the priest could eat on Good Friday was on Good Friday none. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> how many more how many yeah. more nun jokes can we do? Yeah. Yeah. Was it Stacy Keaton was his name and Up and Smoke did the nun joke? The only sex the preacher could have. I think so, Sergeant Sedenko. Yes, Sergeant Stadenko. Poor Sergeant so, Stadenko turned into a lizard. And, and uh, that was kind of, you know, that was a really strong lead. That was like the second or third one or whatever. 
I think it was lizard. Nice dreams. Right, turns into a lizard, and that was also in Stephen King's uh, Thinner. Oh, the guy gets so thin he turns into a lizard. Yeah, like the 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 gypsies put a curse on all of them, and this guy slowly turning into a reptile. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But our journey was with the thinner guy. Richard Bachman. When the mind of Richard Bachman comes the running man. It's a man who's running. Then later comes thinner. Ask us the plot. <laughs> <laughs> he gets thinner. He's you know, a nail kind of a nail on the head kind of guy, I gotcha. That thinner movie was um Oh man. The greatest part was when he was like, I'm going to give you the curse of the white man from town. I mean, the whole movie is worth watching for that scene. They laugh at him, you know, and he, yeah. he but he says it with such intensity and fury the second time around that the head gypsy guy is like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know. I just remember like the guy wore like this fat suit that was like and all fat suits. Mm-hmm. Like he looked like he was this spawn clown or something. Right. It, it really was uh, obviously put on so that he could lose the weight, but if yeah. you suspend disbelief. So what's happening in our movie now is Ben Stiller's been con- convinced, okay, this is for good reason. So instead, I'm going to be the brain trust of our little group, and I will do all the investing. It's all completely legitimate. We can't insider trade never again. It's a so weird his- turn for the movie to take, but again, it's doing it. Well, he always wanted to be a broker, Carl. Right, and that's the point in the movie. It's going to prove that he can do it. <laughs> and he can, and he can bang Marie Callender, or whatever, whoever she is. Marie Callender. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. I, I love her pot pies. Oh my god, a little Philly, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so she was on the Fox Television series Twenty Four. Um, our love interest. Her name's Leslie Hope. Um, yeah, I remember her from some current, even current. Yeah, she looks pretty good there. Yeah, and she's she very looks even better now, considering I guess because she looks really close to that now. Well, she's really done up though. I mean, she's got the perfect coiffed '80s hair and look yeah. at the makeup and you know just the tasteful earring and she's you know. Right. Look at the right. implied low cleavage. I Why are you guys not looking? You should be looking at Stiller with his puppy dog eyes. Whoa! What? Now she coincidentally was in Outrageous Fortune. Oh, our Ben, our uh, George Carlin movie. Yup. I think people get cast all the time together, especially in Adam Sandler movies. Yes. Right. Well, uh, so was in a... <clears throat> Crimson Peak. Do you know that it's the ghost? Yeah. Movie? Sure. I like that movie. That's a haunted house movie. And Men at Work with uh, the brothers. Yeah, the Estevez Sheen. I just saw a part of that the other night, and I'm like, I, I, I remember watching that so much on late night television. But then Is I only got about a half hour of it the other day, and I was like, I forgot all this. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching Loaded Weapon. I forgot that Emilio Estevez was a movie star. Right, he was. He's a film director, and his films aren't that interesting. But he makes his, you know, he's able to get his little passion projects out. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, 
oh, we're going to redo uh, Mighty Ducks, and we have Emilio Estevez. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, score. Dizzy, Dizzy's reviving something I did. The scary thing is he's the most, uh, he's probably the more affluent Sheen Estevez there is now. Charlie Sheen. The only Charlie Sheen I know of is my, <laughs> the the shatter I just bought called Charlie Sheen. Oh, really? Yeah. Cheddar? Nice. Mm. I think his best movie was The Sheening. The Sheening. <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, you know what? We're going to have to, like, get you down to, like, three puns an hour, Carl. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's be real. Don't worry about Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen was in a sitcom called Anger Management for over 100 episodes. I'm not worried about the guy. So, right now... Ben is going to ask her to go to a gathering of the stock market, you know, their little group. And uh, it's basically a date. And the guy who's driving the cab, he's got to be a stand-up comedian or something. He's like, ask her on the date, pal. But I can't find him in my research. Oh, you know who that is? Who is it? can't tell. Hold on. You hear his voice. Hey, Understand because Freddie, I'd love to. What time? Pick up the ride. Sounds great. Congratulations. Now, can we get out of here? Let's go. Can we get out of here? Total, total New Yorker. Didn't look like Ben Bailey at all. <laughs> ben Bailey <laughs> from uh, that cab show, <laughs> Cash Cab. You know, I just I hate to see him get typecast. Hey, I don't want name drop. We follow each other on, on Twitter. Yeah. I got to tell you, when I hear a, a voice like that, like your ear goes, gosh, listen to that New York, right? And my, right. my ear is like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just a guy talking. It's just a guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a normal, it's a regular guy. Come on, can we, go, can we get going, please? Can we get out of here? <laughs> it's just a dude. Oh, no. oh, no. Look out. It's a pratfall. Get off me, you idiot. I'm so sorry. I'm using the remote. <laughs> well, I understand technology uh, has some hiccups. Now, as far as this film goes, this scene is ill-placed. It doesn't advance the plot at all, and we've seen this before, right? Yeah, but it has more Dan Castanetti. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Justify that budget for the siren light thing. Yeah, right. Now, Buddy will give a big tip to, uh, but it's it's not insider training. He just feels it in his cojones. Does he really say cojones? No, I think he uses the term. California raisins. In living color, the first year, and in living color, the best of it. In living color, will not be seen tonight. It's a box who present a movie of the week. Cops will not be seen for the next four hours as Fox right. presents. <laughs> Married with children will not be seen tonight, so we can take a fucking breather. <laughs> Uh, from the makers of Beverly Hills 90210, it's Buddy Epson 80. Yeah. <laughs> BC. 
The lighting. Stand by the ship. Oh, a little dance step. Hey, so, this director did Easy Money, man. Give him some credit. Right. Yeah. So this guy, no, he didn't do Easy Money. He did um, Back to School with Rob. Back to School. Oh, yeah, the other one. Better, in my opinion, Back to School. But okay, so now Clampett has given him uh, his hit, not an inside information, but he is investing in this. You should too, and it's going up. So now we're having a very uncharismatic charismatic no screen chemistry at all lovey lovey thing between the two of them looks like they got caught right they got caught by bad guy who thinks he's rival love interest but she's not interested in him he's still wearing the generous suit how funny is that like are they generous during the day wouldn't they wait till after work uh it's all over the place in this movie. They're they're laughing at his expense now, and uh, I don't know. It's flirt city. They, it's like it's inevitable. They're going to be together, and they're liking it. He's just a janitor. Right. Exactly. What the fuck is this bullshit? Excuse me, the trash. You know the trash. You know, you're familiar with the Trans-America building, right, in San Francisco? Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. one in Grand Theft Auto you could jump off uh, from? So there's a service entrance. I was catering there, and I wasn't allowed to go into the main entrance. I had to go to the service entrance. Uh -huh. So, I mean, like, if you're a janitor of this brokerage firm, I'm sure it's the same deal. So did you have to go, like, on one of those uh, lifts, you know, the um, uh, where it has to have an operator? No, I had to walk out of the lobby, walk around the corner, and go through another door, and then go up some staircase. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. You were a servant. Right. I was a janitor. I was George Harmon janitor. Right. Compared to, uh... Okay, so now we're beginning to learn about the pension fund is always losing money. Are we, are we sick of this film? <laughs> I am sick of this film. This film has nothing going on, and it's like not even 20 minutes into it. So let's talk about some of the people. Uh, sure. Okay, so I mean, there's no hit, the, the, we we got to see like the hit squad or something. He's yeah, not enough violence for me. <laughs> violence. No one's got hurt. Sometime in this movie, we'll have peril, the danger of violence, but no violence. Uh, does someone get like a pie in the face? <laughs> no. I want you to tell me what movies your buddy from Star Trek's on because I want to know what what movie that I'm remembering him from. Was he in Blade Runner? No, I know who you're thinking of. William uh, Sanders. I'm thinking of William Sanders. Okay, wait. I think Michael J. Pollard is this the guy we're talking about. Our Star Trek connection. Right. Scrooge. He was in Scrooge. A big deal in that one. Okay, so that's maybe it. He was in Roxanne. He was in Dick Tracy. Oh, there it is. Roxanne. Roxanne. Okay. And so laughing. <laughs> he's the one. He's the, he's the goofy guy from the fire station. He's one of the firemen. Yeah. The coolest credit is the Wild Angels, 1966. He was one of the riders, you know, one of the. Oh, 
Enter Laughing is Carl uh, uh, Reiner's memoirs about being a TV writer, comedy writer. Like uh, on my show of shows. You know what? I'm going to watch it. I'll put it in my Netflix queue. Oh, no, don't do it. Then you're going to be like Spiegelman. Well, that, well, listen, don't. Don't recommend don't movies. Think, yeah, you should. No, definitely recommend movies, but be serious. Think about the guy who's going to have to do it. You saw it once here, like, yeah, you should see it. Man, I saw some garbage. <laughs> I never said it was going to be good. It's no, but it. that's what I mean. Like, have a little compassion, dude. <laughs> You don't have time. You got to mail it. You got to get right. the mail. You got to open up the mail. You got to put it into the. You mean I... when you actually say, "Oh, you should see it." You actually... yeah, and then Carl rents it. Like he rents the DVD, and then he like plays it. He finally gets the DVD, puts it in, and like two hours later, it's a terrible movie. Well, Carl's like the most optimistic moviegoer. Like you could watch this 131 minutes and 42 seconds and go, "Oh, there was a couple good, you know, lines by Buddy Evans." <laughs> Yeah. Carl is the I'm most like, optimistic. Really? Holy smokes, you are a champ. You're taking one for the team, literally and figuratively. You are the most optimistic movie viewer. You've been rewatching Joker going, maybe this time. Maybe this time. Well, nope. the thing is, you, you, you say like, okay, we're doing munchies next week. And so it's like, you just launched me on like four viewings of munchies. You know, at least oh. with Roger Corman, that's a bad example, right? There's other ones, though. But think of all the movies collectively, just between us three. You can think of any guests that you have on from week to week. But, I mean, just think collectively, even between you two, how many really shitty movies you've watched in your lifetime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you, and then you're nice enough, Mike, to go, hey, Carl, let's go <laughs> back and revisit it. Yeah, you should really check out T-Rex with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. And then Carl Watson like, No. So what, have you guys seen the one with Whoopi Goldberg called Phone Booth? Uh, I seen the the telephone directed by the Rick telephone. Taylor. Okay, the telephone. Yeah, I have seen that. That's a she's in the Marcadero uh, apartments, the old ones under the uh, the freeway, the Marcadero freeway. I have that on VHS and it's just sitting there in a cabinet. Well, you have to watch it. It's a uh, it's directed by Rip Taylor, the actor. Uh, Rip Torn, Rip Torn. The Rip actor. Torn, not Rip Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. And she's on the phone. Fabulous. Yeah, fabulous. Return. I Taylor. love him. Okay, Remember but it's arrested in at his. Oh, okay, wait, because Rip Torn is the guy from the Sandling Show, right? Jerry right, Taylor. he's already. But so he's... Rip Taylor is the one that's over the top from like uh, whatever Match Game and all that stuff, right? He's, yeah, we no. watched him in the movie look, Chatterbox. Look what George Carlin did to his house, okay? Remember this oh, is the, the fountains and the lights. So Jersey. Is he from hey, Jersey? Man, that was a big budget for yeah. Bob Hopkins. That, that's 1990 with LED lighting. <laughs> yeah. Now he I was making seriously fun of doubt it was LED. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. Wow, it's fancy. Look, he looks like the Joker. The Riddler. Uh, the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want that suit. Needs to have dollar bills on it, like that guy. Needs to have big old cannabis leaves on it. Yeah, that's right. 
Now, the wife, she's a stand-up. She was, like, on Night Court once and Seinfeld once and Wings once. You know, she's one of – she was on The Nanny, you know, the diagnosis murder, L.A. Law. She's been – She looked better before they dressed her up. Yeah, I thought so, too, except for that scene in Curlers. All right. Well, you know, I have a thing for those curlers from, like, Tony Orlando and Don. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The bigger the curler, the bigger. Well, you know where I'm going with yeah. that. Look at that red cap, Cirky. Take your mega hat off, please. Yeah. <laughs> You're not at work right now. This is like Mar Margo Lago. Wouldn't that be kind of funny to like screenshot that and put, you know, put a Mad- mega hat on him? Yeah. Mad- Even Michael J. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm a his comedic point. Oh my God! This is a TV movie dragging it out to a stretching point. Throw a musical number. Well, they're, they they paid a lot of money for this party on screen, so they're going to have their party. They're going to have their party. See, it's all choreographed. Look how much. That's kind of cool. They literally just moved craft services to the middle of the set. <laughs> now, now, Fox, they air from 8 to 10, right? And then they had local news. It was, it was a little different from, let's say, uh, three hours of broadcast uh, television. And then well, right. everything did 8 to 10. And then at ten o'clock there was like a lull until eleven late night shows. But then even if but say ABC and the networks would have a show at ten o'clock. But and Fox they stopped would. at ten. And then they had yeah, most of the time it was news, but then like you said, there was late night Fox. There was things like um uh Chevy Arsenio. 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 Arsenio was syndicated. It was. Oh, that wasn't Channel 5, Fox? It might have aired on a Fox network, but it was, oh, okay. it was through syndication. Yeah, because out here in the Bay, it was on KBHK, Channel 44. There's the um, uh, Dancing Machine. What is her name? Pia? Pia Zadora? Pia? No, no. Pia. Remember oh. they did Dancing Machine, Carla Mike's Party Machine? Mike? All right. Basically, what's happening is the Riddler's up there, and he's giving a big speech. We've made a lot of money. We have Ben Stiller to thank for it. And, you know, it's also the night in which Ben Stiller and and, uh, Susan will fall in love. It's just a great night for everyone. Nothing bad in sight. Which Which always means everything bad in sight. Yeah. It seems like a ripoff of Tower Heist. Did you see Tower Heist? Tower Heist, this came out very 1990s. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're robbing from the rich. They help their... They're uh, not. They're investing. No, they're not. They're investing in the stock market. They are not robbing from the rich. No, they're going to take like a gold brick uh, car right. pedal. And Dangle then it out of a window. Literally, all they did was put the Tower Heist on the ground. That's all I'm saying. And they're going to mail a gold steering wheel to that retired guy, and he's going to cry when he opens it. Oh, now I can, can retire. Alan Alda. Well, you should oh, have yeah. had a little alarm. It goes, whoop, whoop, spoiler alert. Whoop, whoop, spoiler alert. That's probably the best Trump movie out there, Tower Heist, right? Because it was Trump Tower, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm just so glad that Trump didn't put his name on the side of the White House. Was that actually considered? <laughs> like something he would. 
Yeah, he slipped that in there, right? Oh, and another news, we're gonna chase uh, we're gonna put Trump's name on the side of it. Okay. As soon as he left, he put his uh, his bedroom on um Airbnb. So Oh yeah, right. Only been slept in once. They've been getting some good mileage out of this nun, right? Like this is the third scene is nun been. Right. Well the thing is that there's the children's orphanage and they've actually made a mortgage. And so he's giving her the check so that the it's owned free and clear by the church. That's great. What a great guy. What a great guy. Such an edgy movie. Yeah. So I guess it is a movie. It started off with like uh, credits and then... Uh, <laughs> actors and everything. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if our idea, our concept is a good idea, Carl. You know, like some movies are just like, gotta be kidding me. Like, it's a good Bad idea because from the there's, no, there's no way you can watch this movie on your own. The fact that you did this a couple of times. You know, Who wrote this movie? Uh, Corvidal. <laughs> um, this was written by three guys. Joe Kirkland, John Connolly, and David Luca. David Luco's the one who wrote uh, Eddie, but with Whippy Goldberg. Right. He wrote The House at the End of the Street with Jennifer Lawrence. I saw that film. I, it wasn't the greatest film, but he wrote it. and it, it was, was it a horror film? film? Yes, it had a twist at the end. It was like a psychological horror, not nothing metaphysical. It was uh, just a crazy guy. Gotcha. It's like the calls coming from inside the house kind of thriller. He wrote The Dream Team, which starred Michael Keaton, Christopher. Now, I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's they're like, they're crazy, but they're in New York. And they're in New York. Peter yeah. Boyle's in it. So now they're yeah, just going to fall in love. Fall in love. Fall in Despite the name of that movie, I lost a lot of basketball money on betting on them. The Dream Team? Yeah. Yeah, they were not the same Dream Team. Their whole thing was they were trying to get to the city to watch a baseball game or a basketball game or something. And it was their adventure. It was more about the voyage than the destination. Yeah, exactly. Ah, life. I don't think you can get away with a movie like that. They're crazy, Asterix. Uh, Legally, we'd like to state that. So wait, it's fading out, but we still have 27 minutes left of credits? No way. No, no we're not. We're it's just love, and the night is love, and everything is love. They bought a dolly. They rented a dolly for that night. They need to use it. You can see the cameraman trying to escape. They could have totally, you know, jumped into a time machine and borrowed my my uh, my um. Uh, what is it called? Speaking of time machine, there's the World Trade Center. Oh, uh, look at that! Another night court scene. Twin Towers. Twin Towers. Twin Towers. We had a Twin Tower sighting. Oh, yes, they are. There they are. Oh, wait. Sorry. Different Twin Towers. Kissy, kissy. He's still wearing that outfit. Is he in the office? He's in the office. Yes. It's his job. It's Monday morning or some crap. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Oh, there goes the collar. Now you can be like George. Now you be like George. 
So they're together and a couple now. I mean, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? The boss, the mob, the insider trading. The insider trading. She's gonna break it. Is she gonna discover that they've been insider trading? Bingo, and she's gonna think that it was him. And we know he's he's innocent of that. Yeah, it's George Harlan. Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues. I told you never to come down in my little dark closet. Well, that's uh, right. She's going to discover a classified memo. And then he's going to admit he did it once to save Ralph's life. Ralph Stawatsky, who is George Darwin. Right, because he owes $6,000. Did I tell right. you I owe $6,000 a book? Have I mentioned that I sold? Yeah, that's the 6000 Okay, George, please, George, George. Please turn to page six of the script. Yes, Mr. Carlin, you will know that I owe $6,000. <laughs> please pop collar and repeat after me. Yeah, I owe six thousand. Continue, George. Continue dollars to the. Sorry, I had to flip the page. Get him back. So Ben Stiller became a big deal, right? So he did his TV show, which I was like, but it was very inside. Like, well, there's the confidential envelope that should have been shredded. Yup, exactly. Now she knows something. His back was turned. Uh. He just changed her mood. Something's going on. Mr. Alda, you ripped off the pension. What about everyone who works in the basement of the tower? Exactly. <laughs> Fuck up, kid. But there's no parallels. It's like, that show is great. It's like, well, I, I got to get all the people back together. We're going to heist. I wonder where they're working. I'm working at Shake Shack. I'm working at the Eminem store. I'm working at Planet Hollywood. All right. Now that we visited those locations, it's time to continue with this movie. <laughs> we collect cast members like trinkets in a uh, treasure hunt. Or what is it called? Yeah, treasure hunt? What, what's it yeah. called? When That's you go out scavenger out. hunt. What is it? Scavenger? Scavenger hunt. Thank you. That's National Treasure? Wow, look at that the computer. It has a ticket tape on it. Now they're having their first fight. Is that the right way to say it? She's learning right. about she the, you know. Like she's sitting there popping birth control pills like M&M's. Right, and a cigarette. That's the best way to wash them down. <laughs> this, this director's way of saying, I don't care. Get lost. Oh, she's gone cold. He's gone cold. Oh, they really didn't care. She has one of her little locks sticking down weird. That would have hurt me. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. Get that fucking, oh, excuse my language, get that lock thing off. Come on. Harlan's not here. We can finally think. Piece of quiet. <laughs> in 1989, there wrote an appearance on Saturday Night Live in the future history. All right, Carl, you're scuba diving. You're scuba diving, Carl. Oh. I'll plug okay. into the router. You keep talking. Okay. I'll that plug into the router. 
That was way better. So, okay, 1989, I don't know. I was about as about as busy as Ben Stiller. Back in '89. Yeah, what was I doing in '89? I was working at a at a deli called Jan's Manhattan West. Huh. I guess I guess that was West California. Yeah, like as in West Coast. Yeah, she was from Manhattan apparently, so she had to come out here and try to do foo foo. Try to do a, a Manhattan deli in California in 1989 was. I never understood that. Yeah, didn't work. Yeah. Okay, I'm back well, in it's like, yeah. Just make sandwiches. You know, it's funny because I did a, a did a storytelling show a couple of weeks ago, and I told yeah. that place. Just remember, I did, yeah, the formative years. What were you doing in 1989, Mike? Where'd he go? I don't know. Okay, Carl, what were you doing in 1989? I was living in Manhattan in a five-story walk-up at York and 78th Street, and it was a great time, great time of my life, making music, trying to be a rock star. <laughs> what happened? What happened to that place, Carl? Why'd you throw it away? What? What? I didn't throw anything away. Why you ruined it? Why? What happened to your dreams, Carl? Oh, that? Oh, well, uh, in 1990, mom was like, college, college. And I was like, but I, I, college, college. Fucking okay. And I moved home to Montclair, New Jersey. Nice. Yep. And then we hung out. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. started fish burgers. Yeah. <laughs> 91, 92, something like that. I guess Kroll started it. Okay, anyway. What's going on right now is he's discovered them snooping around trying to figure out how he's siphoning off the the uh, pension fund, and basically he's going to fire them because he's caught them. Carlin's like, what we're doing, sir, it's, it's called pre-cleaning. You see, <laughs> we preemptively, you know. He's always on. George Carlin. Yeah, I mean, like, Carlin, like, he had a, a sitcom on Fox, right? It was, like, he yeah. had a show called Carlin's Corner. And then it was, like, the George Carlin show. And it's amazing, like, you forget the legacy of these comedians that they've done plenty of television shows and plenty of sitcom. You just don't remember, you know. Yeah, it's strange because that used to be the natural progression of things. So before you were known... You had to get your set on Johnny Carson, then you had to be called over to the couch, and then you got your sitcom. You look at people like Tim Allen with Home Improvement. Right. Well, I think of Freddie Prince Jr., or Freddie Prince, I should say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chico the Man. It was based off of Carlin's uh, stand-up set. But then, you know, you hit your prime, and it's like, by the time Carlin had his show, it, was, it didn't matter if it succeeded or not, if anyone remembered it. It was product, you know? It wasn't, yeah, was, um, people, I, think some, I think some people, you know, like most of the time, you think of these people, they, they take the stuff from their act. Um, you know, like everybody loves Raymond. All that stuff was supposedly, you know, from his act, from his yeah. joke. You know, you take one joke and you turn it into an episode. So in the right. George Carlin show, he was a New York City taxi cab driver. That's always going into a bar. 
Didn't he have like a family as well? Or yeah, like family was like a, he lived in a like a your typical walk up in New York City kind of thing. It's Sharon was his is his daughter, right? Shelly Sharon. Kelly. Kelly. His actual daughter, Kelly Carlin, is his daughter Kelly. in that show. Gotcha. Kelly Carlin, that's it. Oh, right. Wow. She's out there today. Yeah, yeah. she's doing her own podcast. And yeah, matter of fact, our so is our buddy. Our buddy has moved from New York out to Patrick. LA. Patrick Carlin? Yeah, I'm still yeah. here. He went to Los Angeles? Yeah, he moved to LA. Um yeah, the, his his wife of sixty years passed away in March. I see. Oh wow! So Marlene Carlin was like the greatest lady you'll ever even hear about. But anyway, so she passed away in March. He moved out to L.A. Now he's doing his own podcast. It's called um, uh, Patrick's Hollywood Stock Connection. <laughs> And you can get it on SoundCloud currently. All right. His first, his first episode was out a couple weeks ago, and it was basically um, on George's birthday. Oh, very cool. Yeah, you, uh, you had a show. The great title he has because he's from Woodstock. So it's right. Hollywood stock. Right. right. And he's stalking celebrities. <laughs> That's what I heard. I heard the song part. <laughs> he is. A, it's kind of cool. He has like three different segments of a show. One is basically where he's talking to you from. Well, one he's kind of talking about him and his wife and their their travels, and then the second part he does from a place that it's called the Old Stoner Cafe, which is basically where he used to do our show from. Uh huh. And it's more of a, it's not a longitude and latitude, latitude kind of place. It's kind of a state of mind place. Yeah. But of course. Mean, yeah. So uh, I have the old Stoner Cafe was in Woodstock, but it's also on the West Coast now. So I, I, I have to interrupt for the plot. I just got to let you know that what's happening now is uh, they've made a lot of money and they've been noticed. So the like stock market TV show is interviewing them. And that's a big embarrassment to uh, uh, our bad guy. And they're doing yeah. it right in the basement where, you know, they're fired janitors, but, you know, it's the same day. Money talks. So they were able – they got fired, but they were able to stay on the floor to interview in a suit. No. Um, like they got fired, so they went downstairs, cleaned out their lockers, and this reporter showed up and is interviewing them. And all the Wall Street guys watch this show every day. So it's a big spit in the face to bad guy. See, this is the Ben Stiller I know. All dressed in black. Yep. All right. Uh, gentlemen, rest these gentlemen. Get these men out of here. Rest these gentlemen. <laughs> now I'll embarrass you even further because you're on TV. Oh, no TV. And well, Clampett loves it because his son, his uh, family, I don't know, nephew or whatever he is, is getting embarrassed. It's embarrassed. I secretly approve. Thanks, Ronald Reagan. I mean, Dad. So now what they're finding out is they're all bummed out because the Shell Corporation he's been funneling the pension money into 
and he's made loans against it, they're now going to buy the stock firm. And that means it's over. He's won. He'll own the whole building. Oh, no, not the whole town. Stock, stock and barrel. <laughs> yeah. He will have he will have the company lock, stock, and barrel. That looks like Cranston. A little bit. Hey, foot zones, finally, some Gen Xers. Remember when the foot zones were on TV all the time? Yep, it was great. Yeah. Sort of. I don't know if it was great. It was just like filler in content, but it got into our brains, and now we like it. Well, now I have to, like, I chose it, so every time, like, I see a Three Pebbles commercial, I stop what I'm doing. And go to YouTube. Yeah. Watch them smoke a Winston. Oh, in black and white, even though it was a color at the time. They just figured, like, people still have black and white TVs, so you might as well keep the commercial in black and white. That was historic. Do you remember the like, party? He's like, come on, Fred, fuck this shit. Let's go have a smoke. <laughs> Are we away from Wilma? Uh, are we away from uh, Betty? Winston tastes good like a boulder shed. Barney? Oh, got caught by the missus. Just trying to have a Winston here. <laughs> <laughs> So love interest now finds out that everything was on the up and up. He wasn't doing any insider trading. Bad guy's a really a bad Great. guy. And so she kisses Great. him on the cheek. And now oh, allies. Happy day. Nothing's happened in this movie, Carl. Well, there's no way to stop bad guy. But I, I know a way. I know a way. Why don't we get the stock price to plummet? Okay, then we can buy it for cheap and he'll have to sell because he's mortgaged like crazy. Yay! Let's get the stock price down. Now this movie's got an act three. <laughs> In a moment too soon. I sat through so many commercials for a living color. I really just want to get to the ending of this movie. <laughs> Man, you just you're nailing it. It's it's nineteen ninety in living color. Right. Followed with all new married with children, followed by duets. Duets. Fox spent a lot of money. It's it's the Gary Shandling show reruns taken from Showtime. Right then, like Fox showed like Gary Shandling show, even though yeah, it was, there was, it was like it wasn't a syndicated deal. It was like a they just bought you know like AMC playing The Sopranos. They just right. paid them a bunch of money. They might have done some new episodes for Fox, but it was just weird. Yeah. Ben Stiller show was only 13 episodes. 90 right, to but I'm telling you, like people know like three bits from that show, which is fine. But if you watch all 13 episodes, there's a point where they just have the supporting cast do, do most of the legwork. Mm. Which is fine if, if you're a fan of Andy Dick, you know. Yeah, that's right. Andy Dick, uh, Bob Odenkirk, who I missed, Janine Garofalo. Yeah. Um, it was on MTV and then Fox. Now, he was on SNL in 89. He was a featured performer. However, since the show did not want him to make more short films, he left after four episodes. So it was Crazy. really short-lived. He made well, so, films that they would air, and they were like, you know what, Ben, no more of those. 
And he yeah, was no fine, I quit. Well, the humor of like the, the Ben Stiller show would be like uh, Winston Kincaid from the Partridge family is the, the manager of U2. So if you know the, the Partridge family and you know that U2 video, the combination is really funny. But if you don't know those references, you're just you're just not gonna you know you're just gonna look at that. Okay, now look, see, he's on the ledge. He is he's claiming that he's gonna commit suicide because the firm ruined him, and that's a way to make the stock price plummet. It's a big plot they have. Oh, so he's faking it like he, this is on purpose. Right, and you he doesn't really want to die, so that's why all the exaggerated, funny, funny stuff. Right. The cameraman's like, I'm union, I'll stick it out the window once, and then that's it. <laughs> I'm not going to get myself in trouble. So Austin Powers Lady is spreading rumors. Yeah, he's up there on the ledge right now. I hope this doesn't hurt the stock price. Smart people nice. get out quick. This is Hello, totally I need to get out quick. Look at that police car, man. It's so – I know you guys – you grew up here, Mike. It's so yeah. 89. Yeah, you got well. It looks very important. It has the important antenna sticking out of it. Yep. You know it's a cop car when it has like the important antennas. Like that, that antenna looks important. We're All right, so radio buy. contact, buddy. Buy, buy, sell, sell, buy, 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 sell, buy, sell, sell, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. Well, they're all doing the sell right now. That's what's oh, right. on the street in this movie world. It's just not a reality. Uh, Why do they get the fire engine? Because they're going to make it house. jump into a hoop. Yeah, that looks dangerous. So Bro, look at that room. Look at all the lights in that room, but it, yet it's dark. Yeah, yeah. I know. So Take that was that was bad guy, and he's like feeling the pressure now. The stock price is starting to plummet. Which one's going to hit rock bottom first, the stock or George? <laughs> the Carlin is plummeting. Sell. So that was where he was like, 89 is what the hell am I doing in New Jersey? Probably his greatest album. <laughs> right. So That's the peak of it. Oh, he's a father now. Yeah, that's right. So what happens is in the end, it comes down to like, George, you've got to jump or the stock won't price won't plummet far enough. That's that's this world writer's world. Right. They're blowing up the jumper thing. Like a real stuntman. I always feel like when movies have like they they blow up the thing in the bottom and then the guy jumps, I go at least you know the stunt man is safe. You know they already established that there's something at the bottom, so they don't have to fake it. You know, mm -hmm. usually when they fall off a building and there's nothing underneath, they got to pretend like he hits a roof of the car and shit like that. Right. But but if you set up that there's like a big spongy thing to jump on, right? Then it's a safer stunt to begin with because the scene calls for it in my mind. Makes me feel at ease. 
God bless the stuntmen and the, the work they do for this country. For working trash? Man, let's give it up for all the stuntmen and working trash. The guy who gets pushed aside, the guy who on the ledge. We're ruined. Not yet. He didn't jump. <laughs> Boy, this film sucks, man. I love George Carlin. Yeah, it's good to see George Carlin, and I guess it's another Ben Stiller movie I, I now see. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it's something I had to see once. We're not even done with this movie, and we're very eulogizing it. Well, he's like, yeah, that's a good point. He's like, um, you know, I'm too young to die. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta go. And the wife is like, you've got to jump. <laughs> <laughs> now, I went to, um, uh, where did they do the 1980 Olympics? I went there. And right. they had this thing where you could jump. It would go up three stories, and you jumped into one of those things. So I was like, boys, don't be scared. You know you're going to be safe, blah, 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 blah. So they said, fine. So I went up. And I got to the third floor, and the thing was a fucking postage stamp. My God. I did jump, but from the second story. I was too scared. Yeah, I don't even know if I would do three stories. I don't think we're missing hilarity, guys. I've seen this a bunch of times. Here we go. Got all his nose. See, now the stuntman is safe. Gary Busey. I'll need him. Dalton, uh, what was the guy's name in Once Upon a Time in America? Rick Dalton. I could never. I could. Carlin's on, Carlin's on a roll. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I was able to squeak one joke out of this episode. So the bad guy, his name was Jack Rush, and he was in Hamburger the Motion Picture. Never heard the name. Underwater, Carl. Underwater? Damn, I'm yeah. plugged in. Are oh, you sound better? Oh, the well. bad guy was in Hamburger the Motion Picture. We saw that. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Let's see the ending. They all eat. <laughs> He was in he was in Uncle Buck, Talladega Nights, Megamind, Children of a Lesser God, Heaven's Gate. He's he's, he's an actor. Yeah. We won, kissy kissy. Kissy kissy. Can you believe this? Now let's get the criminals out to jail. Right. Like the, now he's another big New York accent guy we just missed. You're ruined. And your love interest is kissing your rival. And then uh, look how crestfallen he looks. Just tells him to stick it up your ass or something. So are they now the janitors? They're now the janitors. Yeah. They switch roles. But in prison. Oh. Uh-oh. Prison joke. Oh. They got the oh. buffer. Yeah, we, we've got this buffer out until noon today, so we might as well use it. Yeah, might as well use it. Let's use it. Read to the prison set. So now here we are in the stockholders meeting of the new company that they just bought. Stupid and stupid. George Wallace. Look at where's his red hat. There's Michael Senior. Look at the whole Tower Ice Gang is here. 
That's right. Yeah, aren't we great? Yeah. We did it. We tower heisted. We right. Still, yeah. We will soon go on to Austin Powers, Mary. Yay. Yay. Just three more years. No, yeah, right. That was in like 96. She was also the crazy sitter. Well, I see. I don't know that. Let's see. Um, I've never seen the movie. I just know the credit. First shout out to her, born in Patterson, New Jersey. She was on that right, like movie. Zach and Cody, The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Sweet. I like that show. She was on Chowder, that cartoon. Um, she's like a Groundlings. Like, she's like a big Groundlings person. What, what's Groundlings? Is that a show? Yeah, no, like it's an improv troupe. Oh. In Los Angeles, they have like classes. It's a, it's a big deal. Will Ferrell is one of the original Groundlings. I see. Lorraine Newman. She was on iCarly. Okay, so they're essentially winning now. Oh, that rice. Back I, when you could throw rice in the street. No, it's not a wedding. It's 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 confetti. Snowy? It's ticker tape thing. You, oh, it's New York ticker tape? Well, ticker tape what is more long. The days before head and shoulders. <laughs> Was there an astronaut in town, like driving a convertible? Well, before we can answer that, we did it. We watched Working Trash with a dollar sign uh, with Carl and our good friend, Paul Brumbaugh. Carl, uh, yeah. Paul, thank you so much for being part of our show. We were anxious to have you on. What did you think of tonight's movie? It was definitely worth a watch. I mean, it's definitely Working Trash, right? I don't know about the dollar signs. They, I guess they had to put a dollar sign somewhere, right? <laughs> Make it less generic. Carl, do you agree? Do you think this is a good movie? I think, like Paul said, it was worth the watch, you know, just so you can see a bit of George Carlin and what's happened. But uh, it wasn't a good movie, but I don't know. Fox liked it. They spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money. I just thought it was terrible. But, yeah, I guess it's right. It's another Carlin ben, uh, Stiller movie to, uh, to check off my checklist. Yeah. Well, that was it. We have nothing good to say about this movie, but we are going to be back next week. Uh, we do this every week. Uh, as we mentioned before, our podcast name is L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Uh, we also have a fantastic YouTube channel uh, under that acronym. Yeah. Uh, we're on Facebook. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube where we always update our movies. Next week, we're very excited to pick a movie that just came out but like 20 years ago. It's my super ex-girlfriend. <laughs> with uh, Very cool. Yeah, with uh, Uma Thurman as the super ex-girlfriend, and then Owen Wilson, of course, as the guy who's the lead of the story. Uh, we we have opinions of this movie. It's on YouTube. We want to watch it. Uh, here, I don't have the trailer, but I could I could pretend I do. Uh, okay. Hey, buddy. I heard you're dating women. Oh, Rain Wilson, bugger off. Women are good. Hi. You should hit on that woman. All right. Hey, uh, I noticed you're on the bus by yourself. Teehee. Oh, no, she's a psycho, and she's a superhero. Yeah, oh, there goes my car. It's orbiting. Yeah, uh, that's all I have. She's a psycho. Women are psychopaths. I wish I knew that. Yes, yeah, the story for every man in the room. It's my super ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yes, she's this? a superhero, but it's not her story. It's Owen Wilson's story. It's my super ex-girlfriend. It's not those super not the superhero. No, it's my super ex-girlfriend. Yeah. 
Right, it's for the guy's point of view. The end, rated G. Rated G. <laughs> Suitable for all toxic men. I well, can't wait to watch that. Now, tomorrow, next time, Celebrity Comedian Countdown is very cool because it will star a co- comedian who was in the movie. Oh, that's great. So we'll get some insight from someone who was actually there. That's really that's cool. Right. All right. Well, so that's our movie next week, Super Ex-Girlfriend, uh, Ivan Redman Good Jam uh, from 2006, I, I believe. Uh, we want to thank Paul Brumbaugh for being part of the show. Paul's spirit is one of the reasons why we strive through uh, years of our show. Yeah. Uh, we've enjoyed being part of a, a lineup that included Paul. Uh, Paul, where can people find you? Where can people hear you? I know you're out there. Yeah, the best thing to do, all roads lead back to paulbrumbaugh.com. You can mm. check out my touring schedule, plus wherever the edge of insanity may be played in your neighborhood. So there that you go. That sounds great. All right, so Paul Brumbaugh, check it out. Uh, carlsucks.com is where Carl is, and you can find me at Spiegelmania on YouTube on the uh, Twitter. Uh, we want to thank Pam Benjamin for making uh, our Mini Radio show happen, and Mini Radio itself is worth a visit. And uh, make it part of your life. Just subscribe to the podcast. They're, they're part of the show. And check out the live shows that happen on the station. Uh, well, that's it. So, Carl, thank you so much for your research. Uh, audience, thank you so much. Toodaloo. Toodles. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with friend i wrote this song uh, my turn-ons are satin sheets and the way champagne tickles my nose and i love to peek outdoors listen you should follow me on twitter it's jokes to carl the french duh not the oh, oh, duh. let's watch a full
Howdy folks, this is Finch bringing you another episode of Always Free Radio, a show all about rainbow gatherings and the people that participate in them. This show airs weekly on Tuesdays every week on Mutiny Radio, the pirate radio station coming at you from the Mission District in San Francisco, California. You can tune into this show by turning on mutinyradio.fm any Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. San Francisco time, which is also the Pacific time zone. The next few weeks of this show will be pre-recorded before they air because your regular host, Roach, and your semi-regular co-host, myself, will be out in the world again, exploring that rainbow magic for ourselves. Hopefully, at some point, we will be able to air some Sounds from the Rainbow 2021 for you all. Until then, enjoy this special pre-recorded podcast. During the first four weeks of June, we will also be airing a 21-year-old public radio segment in four parts from the Montana 2000 gathering. We will also, as always, be sharing rainbow music and stories and news as it becomes available. What is happening with the gathering this year? Good question. Here are a couple responses from Karen Zerk and Karen Shamalama Mama, respectively. From Karen Zerk, May 23rd, 2021. This year is shaping up to be multiple smaller gatherings and or campouts over the July 4th Prayer for World Peace. Some of these gatherings will have an emphasis on COVID-19 safety protocols, others perhaps not so much. Many people may choose not to gather. The idea is not to have one large gathering, but to spread points of light around the land. The pandemic is still ongoing, and many of us take this very seriously. The idea is that of the prism, where the light comes in and refracts out to many points around the USA. A lot of this is off the radar and very confusing. There are frequent Zoom webinars slash conference calls where the plans are being discussed and people are being asked to plug in to different efforts. If you want the webinar slash call information, please reach out to me at kzirk at earthlink.net. That's k-z-i-r-k at e-a-r-t-h-l-i-n-k dot net, and I'll send you the information. The Zoom is open 24-7, but I know there are specific times when more people are dialed in. You can join from any old phone by calling the access numbers, but toll or long-distance charges apply if you do not have unlimited long-distance on your phone. I know of Prayers for Peace on July 4th being focalized in the Northeast, Northwest, and Southwest. There may be more. From Karen Shamalama Mama. So last year, a pandemic swept the planet. A bunch of folks from Rainbow started talking online and started having conference calls by telephone every other evening for weeks, listening to each other's concerns and feelings, and it seemed like the general sense of most of the people on those calls was that it was inappropriate to travel across country and gather thousands of people into one place. These people were on board with an idea they dubbed Om From Home, and many of them felt that the Idaho gathering should be postponed until it was safer for the public health to gather together. There were, of course, other people who felt that people were overreacting, that not gathering was a submission to government authorities, and that really the threat was not as bad as many were making it out to be. Many individuals and kitchen crews and and camps chose to home from home July 2020, and about 400 to 600 people came to Idaho and went through the usual process of having a gathering, including Spring Council, Gathering, and Vision Council, the choosing of the next year's region. They chose New Mexico or Arizona as the region they wanted to gather in July 2021. 
Meanwhile, many who owned from home felt that those who went to gather in Idaho were being irresponsible, and many of those who went to Idaho felt that those at home had no right to persuade others to do the same. There was a lot of contention and animosity between folks. It was a very challenging time for family. This summer, folks started talking together again about what they wanted to do in July 2021. Many of those who owned from home were ready to gather again, but some wanted to be in smaller groups closer to home and chose to create smaller, health-conscious gatherings over the 4th in their own bioregions. These were dubbed prism gatherings, the metaphor being that when light shines through a prism, it creates many colors of the rainbow, a refraction of our light, not a division. Some rainbow family really dislike this idea of prism gatherings. Many of those people who gathered in Idaho in 2020 are the ones focalizing the southwestern gathering in Arizona or New Mexico. Some folks going to the New Mexico, Arizona, are saying that their gathering is the official annual gathering, the real gathering. Others going to New Mexico slash Arizona are in full support of there being multiple small gatherings around America. It seems to me that most folks in general have grown tired of being at odds with each other and feel that prism gatherings are a great compromise, a way forward, allowing everyone to follow their heart this summer. It looks like there will be three rainbow gatherings over the 4th of July this summer and multiple rainbow family campouts, potlucks, and picnics all across the country. New Mexico or Arizona rainbow gathering, July 1st through 7th, 2021. Idaho Rainbow Gathering, July 1st through 7th, 2021. Pennsylvania Prism Rainbow Gathering, June 20th to July 4th, 2021. Please note that Pennsylvania's dates are a little different from the usual July gathering dates. Thanks, Karens, for those updates. Upcoming on this podcast, a jaunt into Europe, where the Spanish Rainbow Gathering is in full swing. The Spanish media has just discovered the gathering, and so has the Civil Guard. I will be reading several of the news stories from the first four days of June with rainbow music to break up the monotony of my persistent Finch voice. Although I wish I could read all of the articles published about the Spanish rainbow gathering, I think I would lose all of you by the end. There were over 15 news articles published by the time I checked on June 4th, and most of them were essentially the same story with only a few words changed. I picked through them and found a selection of news I hope will be sufficient. Between the articles, rainbow songs come, as always, from Tenali's Rainbow Field Recording Archive, which you can listen to in its entirety at soundsfromtherainbow.org. After Rainbow Spain, we will be listening to a selection of entries from the Seed Camp Diaries of John Tarleton at the 1999 Pennsylvania Rainbow Gathering. Hopefully, we will continue to read this journal to completion over the next episode or two. Finally, we will be listening to the second hour of the four-hour-long public radio piece from the year 2000 about the Montana Rainbow Gathering. Happy listening, and here we go!
These are the rules of the Rainbow Family to which an illegal commune of La Rioja belongs. By M.J. Arias on Yahoo Noticias, Friday, June 4th. A large group of people, they estimate between 150 and 200, have been camped for days in one of the natural landscapes that La Rioja enjoys. There, in the middle of nature and more than 70 kilometers away from Lograño, they have already received dozens of administrative sanction proposals for breaking environmental and health regulations in times of pandemic. Those who are there, of very diverse origins, fall within the so-called Arcoiris family, which some call a hippie movement with very clear basic rules. When asked what they are doing in the Sierra de la Demanda Rioja, in an area of difficult access with slopes of up to 70% to get there, and having left their car about 4 kilometers away to camp, the answer is that by celebrating a ritual of communion with nature. It started with the lunar cycle and is scheduled to end next week when it is complete. Their presence in the area has aroused curiosity, discomfort in some cases, and all kinds of headlines due to the fact that some, or many, the data are unknown, are naked, and there are minors among those present. To find the origin of this movement of the Rainbow Family, we have to go back to the early 1970s in the United States. Some sources suggest that the seed was planted by two young men named Barry Plunker and Garrick Beck after attending a music festival in Portland. They wanted to unite communes, hippies, and nomads in a kind of apolitical organization of, quote, like-minded people on the planet. The point is that the great events of the Rainbow Family is its meetings, such as the one currently being held in La Rioja. They are annual, have a duration of about four weeks, and every year they change location. This is decided at the end of each meeting. They meet and vote where the next year will be held. The first took place in 1972 in Colorado. Thousands of people gathered there to pray for world peace. It was a success in their eyes, and they repeated a year later in Wyoming. The tradition had been inaugurated. There are not many norms in this family. Everyone is welcome. There are no leaders, no commercialism. Weapons are not allowed either, as you can read in some articles about their history and their encounters. Although drugs have been linked to the movement, and someone who was in one of those rainbow gatherings told Vice they received him with a joint, not all of them would be allowed, specifically alcohol and synthetics. There is no obligation to, to contribute money to the community, but a hat is passed in which each one deposits what they can to buy supplies and food for everyone. 
As for the requirements of the space where these annual meetings are held, in summer always, it must be a spacious space, outdoors, surrounded by nature, away from urban centers, and with a nearby water source. In addition, and although there are only a few dozen people in La Rioja, it must be chosen bearing in mind that thousands can come together. These annual meetings do not have a program. They are simply there, live together, and organize workshops. But above all, they say, the freedom of the individual prevails. Some practice nudism. All right, I've got a couple of short numbers and then uh, a little longer one here. We're going to start with a little tune here. This is my best showpiece here. It's called Malagueña. Cuatrauno, June 1st, 2021. Hundreds of hippies invade the mountains in the Riojan Mountains. They live in full harmony with nature, with love towards others and toward the environment as the only norm and without hierarchies. They are the Rainbow Family, and for a couple of weeks they have settled in La Rioja to celebrate a rite of communion with nature that will end next week at the end of the lunar cycle that brings them together in the Sierra de la Demanda. More than a hundred tents and teepees are distributed in a remote enclave of the Portilla Valley, about five kilometers southwest of Viniegro de Abajo, and about three kilometers from the border with Castilla y León. To get there, more than 50 vehicles remain parked at the end of a forest track south of the Mancia Reservoir, and its occupants walk over two kilometers of slopes and ravines. In the makeshift village, there are no norms, neither social nor hygiene, Naked, practicing free sex, and without a mask in the middle of the pandemic, the members of the commune, there are several minors among them, cook the food 